Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Thorne Byram of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. That is me. Thanks for coming back. If you are a returning listener and if you're a newbie, then welcome to the Pipeline Show. I appreciate you stopping by and giving this episode a try. A lots to get to in this opening segment where we usually talk about some of the news of the week. Well, there's been a lot of news this week and uh, not a whole lot of it uh, very good. We usually start with a question of the day, but I don't have one of those for you. Uh, and I'll tell you uh, shortly who's coming up on the show today. It's going to actually be a, a much shorter show than usual. Usually I have three. Most often I'd have four guests. Uh, this week I only have two. Uh, both of them are 2020 draft spotlight segments, so they're really good ones and good guests too. But uh, for the most part, I was having trouble lining up guests. And I think most of that is because of what time of year it is. And uh, and then the, the big news of the week started happening later in the week and just wasn't able to land any guests. So... Uh, next week on the show, I, I plan on tackling some of these bigger issues uh, with some key guests. Uh, but for now, uh, just two guests on this week's show, and we'll do the news and notes. And so this week's episode will be shorter than usual. The first big news item that came out this week, and it's more big uh, locally, is the University of Alberta has suspended well many of their uh, sports for this coming season, uh, but most notably for this show, is the men's hockey program. And uh, that is shut down for the year. This is the second U-Sport uh, program in Alberta that has uh, done so. This is on the heels of the Lethbridge Pronghorns doing it earlier, about, about a month and a half ago, I guess. Uh, why is it happening? Well, uh, it seems to be twofold. First, there were government cuts uh, to the, uh, well, across Alberta. The uh, current provincial government in Alberta has really cut education and healthcare, obviously, <laughs> two massive ones. But the uh, but universities have been hit pretty hard as well, and the U of A falls in that boat. And this is terrible news. Uh, obviously, there is a pipeline that goes from the Canadian Hockey League to U Sport, and um, everybody that's on that U- University of Alberta Golden Bears roster, former WHL players. And um, so there are a lot of guys basically going to use a, lose a season of development. I don't know if a guy is in his uh, fourth of five years of uh, eligibility, whether he'll be able to you know, come back uh, next year instead of the, playing this coming season uh, and to just pick up basically where you left off. Can a guy transfer to a different school that isn't shut down uh, just for one season, then come back to the U of A? Probably not, I'd guess, but I don't know that. Um, so I'm going to try to get somebody from either Canada West or from uh, the U of A uh, to come on the show and, and maybe bring us up to speed and answer some of those questions. But uh, that's horrible. 
the U of A Golden Bears have been the preeminent hockey program in men's hockey in, in this country for a very long time. There are a lot of good programs, but none better uh, than the U of A. I want more national championships than anybody else, and they are every year uh, a favorite to do it again. So that is definitely a big blow uh, to U Sports. Uh, the next one, the next big news item, the WHL announced their return to play a plan, at least, uh, that they would like to start on October 2nd. Very fluid, though, that everything is uh, obviously dependent on how everything uh, unfolds here over the next two, three months with uh, the whole pandemic. Uh, but tentatively, the plan is to start training camp mid-September and uh, then get into a regular season starting in very early October and play a full 68-game schedule. Uh, the league had a conference call, which I missed. I can't believe I missed it. I got the email, uh, but I skim skimmed through the email and missed that there was a Zoom call. Uh, so I'm kicking myself for that. But those who were in attendance asked uh, all the, the big important questions anyway. Uh, the one question I had that didn't get asked was about import players. But Ron Robinson, the commissioner, did touch on that. Uh, he was asked about increasing the number of overage players. And in his answer to that, uh, he did say, no, they plan on leaving it with three overage players and two import players. So I'm assuming that means that they are expecting import players to be able to uh, come into the country uh, and uh, and take part in the season. Uh, then things got ugly. Uh, former Kitchener Ranger player Eric Guest uh, hit social media with uh, a story from when he was a rookie with the uh, Kitchener Rangers. Uh, and it's it's not a good story at all. It harkens back to hazing and that subject. Uh, I've reached out to Eric to see if uh, he's willing to come on the show next week. Uh, I haven't heard back from him just yet, but I I, I did do that fairly recently. Uh, but in short, if you haven't heard, uh, his his story was that uh, at a non-hockey team, a non-official team party, so just you know some of the players getting together or most of the players getting together, but not in an, an official capacity. Uh, a player, an older player, pulled a couple of the rookies, including him, into a, a bathroom and uh, peer pressured them into uh, doing cocaine. And this is when Guest was, I think he said he was 16 at the time. So that is uh, not good. Uh, in fact, that's criminal. And, you know, extra spice to the story is that uh, although Eric wouldn't uh, reveal the name of the player, he did narrow it down significantly, saying that it was a, a player who was drafted. He didn't know if at that time he had signed his entry-level contract, but when he words it that way, you can assume that it has happened since then. Uh, and I think there were four or five players on the Rangers that year who had uh, been drafted and who have since uh, signed pro deals. So um, the uh, the list of candidates for that, who I'm not going to name, uh, you can figure it out. I, th I think if you just Googled the, the story, uh, you'd come up with uh, one name in particular that a lot of people are suggesting it was. Uh, who is the guilty party? I don't know that, so I'm going to leave that aside. But uh, I have reached out to Eric to see if he'll come on the show and talk about that. And not just about his story, because he's already shared the story, but I wanted to hear from him if, in his opinion, hazing and incidents like what he w went through, if that is widespread or if that is a very isolated case. Uh, the next day or the day after the next day, um, Daniel Carcillo, who played with the Sarnia Sting back in the early 2000s, and uh, Garrett Taylor, who uh, had a brief stint with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And Garrett Taylor, who played uh, 45 games for the Hurricanes in uh, 2008-09, uh, 
and then just two more the year following. Uh, news came out. They announced that they are suing the Canadian Hockey League, alleging the league has been complicit in hazing and bullying. Now, hazing is something we have talked about uh, on the Pipeline show many, many times. And I am firmly on record saying I think hazing is absolutely deplorable. I don't understand that aspect or that the how anybody even comes up with a hazing scenario and thinks it's a healthy thing for a team to do. Uh, I don't understand it personally, and and, and some of the horror stories that we've uh, heard over the years have been absolutely gross and uh, downright criminal. Now, it's interesting uh, that Carcillo is part of this. He, he said he went through it as a rookie, uh, and then he had freely admits that uh, in the subsequent years, uh, he was delivering. He was on the other end of uh, the hazing. And I'm not going to get into whether that makes him a hypocrite or anything. I think people change, people evolve. Uh, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. The one aspect of the lawsuit that does confuse me a little bit, and maybe this is where I, I need to get some clarification on, is uh, the, the lawsuit is against the CHL, which, I mean, that's 60 teams. Um, Carcillo's incident happened in 2002, 2003, I believe it was, uh, with the Sarnia Sting. And uh, Garrett Taylor, who was part of that lawsuit as well, uh, he was with the Lethbridge Hurricanes in the uh, 2008, 2009, that area. His part of the lawsuit uh, is more directed to then head coach uh, Michael Dick uh, of the Hurricanes, current coach of the uh, Vancouver Giants. Uh, but not for hazing, more from, uh, I guess, the bullying portion of the uh, lawsuit. Uh, but that's with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So, so my question is, or my confusion is I'm not sure how you sue 60 teams and, and the league overall for incidents that happened with uh, two teams, two separate teams and two separate leagues. So I'm a bit confused about that. Now, again, that said, hazing to me is deplorable and should be rooted out, not just of hockey, but out of society, period. I don't understand it. There's no place for it in my mind. So I think anybody who is guilty of that should be dealt with severely I, I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on these kind of things uh, but in Carcillo's uh, case as a rookie when it when he was the victim and not the uh, perpetrator and, and by the way some of the details of uh, the hazing that he went through and other players uh, is absolute it's over the top like you if you haven't heard it already me saying it you would think I was lying like all the rookies put together in the shower and getting pissed on by everybody else I I don't who comes up with that idea and thinks this will be a positive thing for our team? I don't get it. But anyway, I wonder if you need to sue the people who are directly responsible. The players. Who did the pissing? And apparently the coach walked in and one of the coaches participated not in the pissing, but in uh, spanking the players with a paddle or something. Those individuals are guilty and should be dealt with severely. But if there's you know, two idiot coaches in Sarnia back in 2002, 2003, and eight or nine asshole players on that team, I don't know how you punish the St. John Sea Dogs for that. So that that part to me doesn't make a connection. So I, I'm confused a bit about the, uh, the lawsuit in that regard. And by no means am I saying none of these allegations uh, didn't happen, that the players are making it up. I totally, I don't see why they would. So if there's any uh, people out there who are going to be saying that I'm, you know, blaming the victims or, you know, that I should be believing the victims, I am. 
I'm just not sure what the the right avenue to let's say quote unquote justice is, and I don't know that that's suing the entire league. However, I mean there was an instance with the Sherbrooke Phoenix, uh, the import player whose name is not on the top of my head right now. Uh, just recently, uh, I think it was a year ago, saying that when he was a rookie in 2017, I think it was. I mean there was physical gross assault to him, like broomsticks up the butt kind of stuff, and. That to me is, that's criminal. And so anybody who was directly involved with that should be held legally responsible. And if there was a cover-up, then yes, that should be dealt with legally too. But I don't know who's guilty or who's not. So it is not for Mr. Podcast Guy in Edmonton to make any sort of declaration. There has to be an investigation. And I think the transparency in that investigation would be beneficial. So that's just my feeling on it. Uh, it's actually hard to find people who want to talk about that sort of stuff, and, and I and I prefer to get people who might have an unbiased viewpoint. Um, but like I said, I, I have reached out to Eric Guest. We'll see if uh, if he's able to come on the show uh, next week or not and talk about his experience and uh, whether he has it a a feeling of how widespread this is. Um, for the record, there's been a number of players who have been tweeting about uh, Coach Michael Dick. And uh, their support and how their experience with Michael Dick was uh, anything but what uh, what Garrett Taylor is uh, describing. Uh, and for the record, Garrett Taylor's uh, story was, uh, I don't have the article in front of me, but more about being forced into fighting. And uh, when he was traded or released from uh, the Hurricanes and he ended up uh, playing in uh, the AJHL with the Canmore Eagles uh, and the Prince Albert Raiders that year. Um, but he was literally on the bus and released and kind of left on to his own devices as the team uh, left town to go on a road trip. Uh, that obviously not great, but I wasn't there. So I don't know this, the full circumstances we're hearing one side of the story, but uh, I would hope that that is uh, dealt with uh, by the league and uh, maybe people outside the league if necessary. Um, since then, in the last couple of days, I I've heard from uh, a few players. Uh, and in fact, last year when, the, the story from the Sherbrooke Phoenix that I was mentioning earlier with the import player, when that first came out, I reached out to a player that uh, that I have a bit of contact with who is, uh, yeah, he's still currently in the Canadian Hockey League. I tweeted this out, actually, but I hid his name and which team he plays for just because I, I thought that was appropriate. But I had asked him back then, so a year ago I asked him, I, you know, I said, please tell me this stuff that's happening in, or being reported out of Sherbrooke that that is not the case for the team that you play for. And he said, not even close. He's never even heard of anything like that. Uh, and that was the first thing that made me think uh, or ask the question, how widespread is this stuff that Carcillo is talking about? And some of Carcillo's teammates uh, have uh, confirmed his account of uh, what happened back then. I mean, that's 2002. It's now 2020. So it's 18 years later. Does that crap still go on to that extent or are these really isolated stories and again if it's isolated then hammer the people who are involved right there in that local story again I, i'm trying to wrap my head around how the Kamloops blazers are responsible for what happened in the carcillo i i don't get that but we'll get back uh, maybe we'll we'll get some uh, clarification on that here in the near future but um so that one player that i talked to uh, last summer shared that with me I, another player sent me uh, a, a note. I, I didn't uh, contact him. He contacted me and he said, uh, dude, this CHL stuff is nuts, referring to all these lawsuits. 
says, the worst thing I ever had to do was sing I'm a Little Teapot at a movie theater. That was his uh, rookie hazing that uh, he was talking about. Uh, he goes on to say, how messed up are people for even doing this, talking about you know what Carcilla was describing? I don't get it, and I've never even heard of this happening before. That particular player played in the league, well, right, actually right around the same time as Garrett Taylor did, uh, but has since uh, been playing professionally for about 10 years now. So from 2002, with Carcillo and the Sarnia Sting, to, say, 2008 to 2010, this particular player, although it was uh, not with the same team, but in the Canadian Hockey League, had never heard a horror story like that. And players talk. It's also one of the things I want to talk to Eric Guest about next week, is ask him, you know, he he's now played some, uh, some Junior A, and I wonder if that's come up as a topic with any of those players, with his teammates, if he's talk, spoken with anybody else who may have had a similar story, or if he has found by talking to other players that his case is isolated or not. Uh, that's one of the things I want to know. Uh, after uh, the one player sent me that direct message and I retweeted, another player, TJ Foster actually, who said I could use his name, he also messaged me, uh, which I retweeted. He said I'd also like to chime in on what's going on in the CHL these days. I'm not sure who the guy was that you just tweeted about, but I also had to sing I'm a Little Teapot at the front of a movie theater, and that was the worst thing we had to do, if you can call it that. It was funny, and we enjoyed doing it. I also had a 20-year-old roommate when I was 16, and I'm glad that I did. That roommate for TJ Foster was uh, Brendan Dowd. He says they're still good friends uh, to this day. He taught me a lot about handling the schedule and not getting too worked up about certain things that come with being a younger guy in the league. He says, our entire group of old guys were awesome. He says, sure, we had to clean the bus and eat last, but those are normal rookie things. And he, he describes them as very minor compared to what's being alleged by Carcillo from his uh, personal experience. Uh, Foster goes on to say, maybe it was an Edmonton culture thing, but I've also heard from my brother's experience, and, and TJ has a brother that played in the league as well, uh, that stuff like that just doesn't go on anymore. As my experience in the WHL from start to finish was nothing but great. There was no feeling of being left out or hazing in my time. I'm just getting tired of the WHL getting a bad name for this kind of stuff. I asked him uh, afterwards if he went on, TJ Foster went on to play at the U of A and then uh, to, in the American Hockey League. Um, so he would have had a lot of teammates who came from different avenues and different teams. So I asked him if, if he'd heard any sort of hazing stories that they had gone through when they were you know, 16 years old, and he says, no, I didn't. I did hear that it was worse way back in the day, but I think the transition years were a few years before me. And he, he goes on to say, I think players having social media and cell phones at their disposal could have been a big deterrent because it was easier to have private conversations with people and bring things up if it happened, which makes sense. I mean, you, you just talk about, you know, outside of hockey, all the Karens being uh, filmed on, on phone cameras and stuff now. Uh, it's. Uh, I think it would be pretty hard to keep things quiet these days, but I don't know for sure, and I, and I think that's an important part of the conversation is to just to know. To, we, we need to know uh, if it's prevalent or not. Foster ended it with uh, saying, do we care about the kids going into high school that got paddled by the older kids? That's hazing, but it wasn't involved with a sport, so where can you single a group out like that? And I guess you would call that physical abuse. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I was hazed, but in by comparison, really minor. I mean, I had uh, a tub of Vaseline dumped on my hair. And keep in mind, this is the 80s when mullets were a thing. Uh, so I had a lot of uh, Vaseline uh, in my hair. But that's not 
I wouldn't call that criminal behavior. And a friend of mine who played hockey then, well, and again, in the mullet era, uh, they pinned him down and shaved his head, which back then was a big deal. I shave my head every day now, so it's not a, you know, I don't think anything of it now, but back then, yeah, that was, it was tough for him. He was embarrassed and, and felt picked on, but it's a little different than uh, getting held down in the shower and pissed on or having a broomstick shoved up your ass. So there's definitely a lots to digest, and we'll, we'll take the weekend and a few days next week uh, to kind of get our heads wrapped around it. Uh, and then, But next week on the show, I'd like to get some guests who can maybe talk about some of these topics, the U of A, the, the, lawsuit against the, the new lawsuit against the CHL, um, the WHL's return to play uh, plans, and, uh, and hopefully I can uh, track down Eric Guest uh, to come on the show next week as well. But as I said, just uh, two guests this week to join me on the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room now open in Red Deer has been open for a couple of weeks. You can still get your same-day delivery free if you uh, spend 50 bucks or more. You call by 1 o'clock, you can still get your uh, shipment delivered right to your door the same day. That's if you live in Calgary, Red Deer, Edmonton, St. Albert, or Sherwood Park. Go to TroubledMonk.com, check out all the beers that they have uh, to offer, and uh, tell them the Pipeline Show sent you. Great folks there. You can also get your hand sanitizer from there. I've got a bottle of that uh, and making good use of that uh, here as we're still dealing with this uh, global pandemic. And it seems like a lot of people are forgetting that there is a uh, potentially deadly virus uh, still out there. I live out in the country. I drive into uh, St. Albert once a week to pick up uh, groceries from uh, my household, my uh, in-laws and uh, my neighbor all on the same trip. And boy, when I drive into town and uh, all the parking lots are absolutely jam-packed and you see people walking around, no masks, and there's a reason we're seeing uh, positive cases starting to go up again, especially in the States. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe that they're still contemplating uh, starting the NBA in Florida and uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning just shut things down. Uh, But I digress. The two guests that you're going to hear from on the Pipeline show today... We're going to start with an in-the-dub segment. Oh, big news there. Dub Network coming back uh, July 1st. Just saw it announced uh, about half an hour ago, as a matter of fact, and and, uh, chatted with uh, Paul Figler briefly. So looking forward to having uh, Dub Network back in operation. So we'll keep going, and we'll call it an in-the-dub segment brought to you by Dub Network. Ridley Gregg of the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings. Really intriguing player. This guy's motor never quits. He's feisty. He can put up points. I like Ridley Gregg a lot. Going to hear from him. And uh, the other guests today, Luke Tuck played for the U.S. National Development Program. Younger brother of Alex Tuck. He's headed to Boston University if and when the college season starts. Uh, both guys are ranked inside the top of 40, I believe, for NHL Central Scouting. Well, Gregg is actually ranked really high, 14th, I believe, by Central Scouting. Tuck right at that 40 mark. So two key guys for the 2020 draft. You'll get to hear both of them on the show today. Thanks to everybody who signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Your support, pretty much the only thing keeping the pipeline show going these days as uh, businesses aren't advertising. So all the that uh, income that I had coming in is uh, on the shelf. Hopefully those businesses will come back when things get uh, back to normal. Uh, but until then, it's listeners like you that are, are keeping the lights on here. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. A couple bucks a month is all it takes. You can hear all these interviews. I spoke with uh, Ridley and Luke uh, on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this past week. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's Saturday. This might actually not come out until Sunday, although I'll try to get it out here on Saturday. Still, it's uh, later on Saturday already. 
uh, patrons have been able to hear those two interviews for three days already. It's all done securely by uh, PayPal and uh, Patreon, so I don't see your credit card numbers or anything like that. It's uh, really convenient, and it's worked out uh, really great. So check that out, patreon.com slash show. All right, when we come back, we'll tee it up. Ridley Gregg of the Brandon Wee Kings in the 2020 Draft Spotlight next here on the Pipeline Show. John Redis steals the puck. He's down the right side. Puck's following him around tonight. Ennis is in over the blue line. He gets away from Ace and walks in. John Redis backhand shot. And Sabre makes the save. Another shot. He scores! John Redis is football here tonight. Oh, what a tricky one. Wild one was. Hi, this is Tyler Ennis of the Menacenet Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, it's midnight, then rival wound up too tight. Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer, and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit ourcanrv.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and we're going to kick this week's episode off with a uh, 2020 draft spotlight. Really not a whole lot going on in the in the hockey world, although there's some news about uh, U-20 camps and things like that trickling out, but we don't know when the season's going to start. We don't even know when the draft is going to happen. Uh, but let's talk to a player who is draft eligible this year. Uh, and uh, Ridley Gregg of the Brandon Wheat Kings is my guest. Uh, Ridley, you're joining me from the road. How are things where you are? Uh, they're going pretty well. Uh, I've been laying low this, this summer so far, but just kind of getting my workouts in and uh, laying low with some friends. For for fans who are you know wondering what training or what offseason is like this year, because it's a, a lot different for everybody than it has been in most seasons. Uh, what have you been able to do? What have you? What would you normally be doing that you haven't been able to do this summer? Yeah, usually I would go in uh, to the University of Lethbridge there and work on one on one with uh, my trainer. But uh, this year, obviously, we can't do that. So we kind of set up a small gym in my garage, actually, and uh, <laughs> it's been all right so far, and it, it uh, get gets the job done. So all right, not a lot of ice time though uh, at this point, but are our rinks starting to open up where you are? Uh, I think I heard uh, rinks and Lafferts are going to open in a week or two, so that'll be good. And uh, yeah, I haven't been on the ice obviously for maybe three months now. Yeah, that's boy, that's a long time. Uh, take me back to the end of the season. Where were you in the Wheat Kings uh, when uh, everything was put in uh, in mothballs? Yeah, we we were. Uh, it was a practice day. I think it was Thursday, and we canceled practice and had a small meeting. And then I think it was that night we had a meeting at, at around like 7 p.m. and Kind of got told that the, the the season's been suspended, and then we stayed there for about five or six days, and then we uh, the coaches kind of sent everyone home. So uh, disappointing finish for everybody, and for the Wheat Kings, well, you guys had started to play some really good hockey down the stretch. I, I actually was at a game in Brandon. You you were playing the uh, the Oil Kings and really took it to the Oil Kings that night. 
uh, right hot on the heels of the Winnipeg Ice for that second spot and home ice advantage in the first round. And wasn't out of the question that you could catch PA for top spot. Uh, had to have really been disappointing for you guys, uh, considering how well you were playing, that everything came to a, a screeching halt. Yeah, for sure. We uh, we kind of had a slow start, and then after Christmas there, we kind of got going with the 10-game the winning streak, and then after the trade deadline, we kind of kept on rolling. And uh, I think our season was planned to kind of perform in the playoffs, and it's just kind of too too bad the, the way it ended. But And for you on a personal level, Ridley, uh, you pretty much doubled your production from your uh, full rookie season uh, in the league. Uh, this year, 60 points in just 56 games. 26 of those were uh, goals. You also had a healthy dosage of uh, penalty minutes as well. How would you describe your season this year just on a personal level? Yeah, I think uh, I went all right. I, I kind of started off slow and then kind of picked up things after Christmas as well, as the same as the team there. And uh, I don't know, I think the way I play, it's kind of a gritty game, and I play pretty hard. And I think that's maybe where the penalty minutes come. But, you know, I just like to go out and maybe hit somebody and uh, kind of do things that way. What changed for you and the team midway through the season? You talked about that 10-game winning streak. What started to go right for you guys? Yeah, I think uh, we started winning a couple games, and then I think everybody kind of just came together and realized, you know, we, we might have a chance of this. And, uh, you know, everything just kind of connected with Coach Dave Lowry there, and we kind of just started rolling. So it uh, worked out pretty well. Excellent. Uh, Ridley Gregg from the uh, Brandon Wee Kings is my guest in the 2020 Draft Spotlight in this segment. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the draft and, and for people who, uh, aren't as familiar with the WHL and, and might just be casual NHL fans and don't know junior hockey at all, let's get some background on you. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, Lethbridge, Alberta. Uh, uh, I lived there my whole life, so yeah. All right. And, uh, I, I don't know how many people will know, but your dad involved uh, in hockey with the Flyers. Um, did he, is he the guy who got you interested in hockey early on as a kid? Yeah, uh, maybe, probably just my whole family. I think we're a pretty big hockey family with my two older sisters who both play hockey at universities. So, oh, do they? Where? Which university? Uh, my older one, who's 21, Kyra, her name is. Uh, she she was actually at the University of Lethbridge there, but uh, that uh, that program just got cut. Yeah. So she she committed to University of Calgary there. Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and then uh, the 19 year old Dara Greg. She uh, plays for Wisconsin University there for the Badgers. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, I don't have any sisters, but I have an older brother. And when I was little, I just wanted to, to do whatever he was doing. Was it similar for you then when you were a little kid that even though they're not brothers, but you just wanted to, to follow in, in your older siblings' footsteps a little bit? Yeah, maybe a little bit. We uh, we spent a lot of time together, maybe playing mini sticks, or we had a pond in our backyard to so kind of compete out there with the neighborhood friends and everything. So right. it was definitely a lot of fun growing up. Uh, have you always been a forward Ridley, or did you try the blue line at one point? Heck, did you even throw the pads on? Uh, no, I've I've been a forward my whole life. I think I've been a centerman my whole life, actually. But uh, yeah, just stuck to center. Okay, has that changed now with the the Weekings? I have you listed as a winger. Uh, no, I, I've been uh, center this whole year. I think last year at Christmas I switched to uh, the wing for the rest of the season, but. This year I played center, yeah. Okay, so moving back to a more natural position this year. Did, uh, but having a little experience on the wing, does that almost help you be a, a more rounded player to some degree? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought I played well last year on the wing, and that kind of just helped out making that transition. And, uh, you know, it was good. Take me back to the Bantam draft. Eighth overall pick by the Wheat Kings in 2017, so you didn't have to wait all that long to, to hear your name called. Uh, what was draft day like for you, though? Were you at home? Were you at school? How did you get to uh, follow along? 
Uh, we we were actually in uh, Philadelphia. Oh, I had a right. hockey tournament with with uh, quite a bit of kind of draft guys in in that tournament as well. And uh, we just got off the ice, and I think it was Jake Neighbors, uh, another 2020 draft prospect, who uh, called out my name on his phone. He said Ridley Gregg to the Brandon Wheat Kings or whatever, and uh, just kind of had a laugh about it. And then uh, my dad was there, so kind of gave him a hug, and he was pretty pretty proud. So it was good. I've talked to a number of guys draft eligible this year and it's funny how many of them were involved in that tournament or on that team that that went to philadelphia is that a regular thing because this is the first year where i'm really getting that story from a lot of players yeah i think uh, i'm not really sure but uh, that year for sure there was definitely it's a pretty elite tournament so uh there's definitely a lot of great players who who got drafted so yeah uh, when you get to Brandon, uh, there's a bit, some changes that have gone with that organization over the last couple of years. Uh, now with uh, Coach Lowry there in place, what kind of a, how has he helped you become a better player this year? I know it's it was just the first year with him behind the bench, but uh, you know going through some changes like that for the team can be tough. Yeah, he he's been unreal for me this year. You know, all of, all of his uh, experience with coaching and playing in the in the NHL for all those games and years. Uh, but you know, he's just kind of that perfect combination of a player's coach and he holds you accountable so uh, he's been unreal for me and the team so yeah uh now uh, being a, an alberta guy southern alberta uh, i guess most players would probably say that the flames would be their team of choice but uh with your dad uh, being a scout with the flyers uh, and for a long time now listen i'm a flyers fan myself so i wouldn't certainly uh i'd understand if you were a, a philly fan but is that the case did you grow up a flyers fan or were you uh, like the rebellious uh, kid and, and cheering? Uh, God, don't tell me you're a Penguins fan. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I was a Flyers fan pretty much my whole life, kind of with my dad playing there, and then obviously he's a scout now, so our family kind of just cheers the Flyers on. So Now, you wouldn't be the first uh, player that uh, is in the, that situation where your your father is uh, with an NHL organization. I know it, in some cases when it comes to the interviews with the teams and stuff, uh, I don't know. Is your dad involved with those interviews, or does he kind of recuse himself just so there's no bias? Uh, yeah, he he uh, he didn't. He wasn't watching me this year, scouting or putting down notes for me. But ah. uh, you know, he obviously watched all the other players and is involved with the interviews with them. But with me, he's uh, he's just kind of been there as a dad. Does he give you tips on on this is what the the scouts want to see from you, or what teams want to hear from you? Uh, does he kind of give you an inside? perspective of it from what uh, the organization wants to hear when they're doing interviews with a player yeah for sure uh throughout this uh season i kind of called him pretty much after every game and he just gave me some tips and tricks uh what scouts like and what they don't like and all that mm-hmm. so it was definitely uh really nice to kind of have him as a just talk and chit chat after games now has the draft been uh, on your mind throughout this season i know a lot of players will say they they try not to think about it but there are other guys who tell me they they go out and see where they're ranked from you know, from all the various scouting agencies and, and stuff like that. Uh, what about for you, Ridley? Uh, yeah, it's kind of just been in the back of my mind. I, I try not to think about it too much. And with, with all the rankings and everything, I, I try to avoid them. But, you know, it's hard to avoid them with all the friends and everything, sending you the, the texts and all that. So, But I try to avoid it and just kind of go out and play hockey and mind my own business, really. So, But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it, and it's definitely going to be an exciting time. With this big delay, is it almost like, man, I just want to get it over with? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, this season for you started way back in August at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Um, so it's been a long one. Do you, do you almost want to get to that finish line and, and get past it now? Yeah, for sure. I kind of just want to just go, go to the draft and want to get drafted. It's, uh, definitely been a long wait as usual, but, 
uh, it would have been nice to have the, the draft this month, but, uh, you know, nothing we can do about that. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. All right. Well, the big news this week, the uh, uh, Hockey Canada uh, U20 camp uh, list comes out. Your name's on it. So what's that mean for you, that opportunity? Yeah, it's obviously a great opportunity. It's going to be a great experience. And just having my name beside all those great players, and, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be fun to kind of compete against them to try to make that team. And uh, I'm looking forward to get th- getting things started. What's that camp going to look like? Uh, I think it's mostly going to be uh, on Zoom calls online because uh, <laughs> we can't see each other or do a camp. Um, yeah. But that's all I know so far. So, yeah. Yeah, kind of weird. Uh, but, you know, I guess it's important, maybe a team bonding sort of thing to, to bring guys together. But you played with a, a bunch of those guys in the past and you've seen others uh, throughout the uh, the Western Hockey League. But um, just to kind of get put faces to names for some of the OHL guys and the, and the guys in the queue, beneficial from that perspective yeah uh, it'll be cool to meet those guys from uh, the q and the o there i, I think I, I know most of the guys from the dub but just to meet them face to face and kind of talk to them and you know become friends and kind of bond with them uh, it's going to be a, a good experience and a lot of fun really so what do you do from now until uh, whenever we get close to a, a start of a, a training camp and a, and a regular season i don't know if you have any insight in into when that could be i mean are they telling you guys anything uh, no, not really. I'm just kind of taking it day by day and laying low here in Lethbridge. So, uh, you know, there's nothing we can really do about it, uh, but just train and work hard and uh, hope things work out. Golf courses are open in Alberta. Are you uh, a golfer? Uh, yeah, I've actually been uh, golfing quite a bit. I just bought a new pair of clubs, so I'm uh, going to go test them out. Paradise Canyon? Uh, I've golfed there before, yeah. Oh, that's not the, the isn't that the big course in Lethbridge? I love that course, actually. I played it a few times. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's unreal. It's probably uh, one of the better courses in Lafferidge. Uh, so, yeah, we had a corporate there the other day, and I went out with my buddy, and, uh, you know, it was a fun fun time. Excellent. All right, Ridley, listen, I really appreciate your time. I know you're making a, a big drive today, so I appreciate uh, you uh, fitting an interview in on the way. Uh, best of luck in the near future, and uh, hopefully we get the draft uh, uh, sooner as opposed to later, and maybe we can get back into the ranks too. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was Ridley Gregg of the Brandon Wheat Kings. And uh, here's the guy, terrific season uh, for, for Gregg. 60 points, as I mentioned, in 56 games. 26 of those were goals. He had 83 penalty minutes along the way. Uh, so not just a uh, a guy who can put points up, but he's also uh, not going to take crap from anybody. He sticks up for his teammates. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's not too small to play uh, at the NHL level. Uh, and just looking at his, the, uh, his profile page on Elite Prospects where they uh, list all the places, that all the different rankings, and where they have uh, players slotted in. Uh, right now, Future Considerations lists Ridley Gregg as the 60th player. McKean's has him 24th. Elite Prospects has him at 83. I mentioned Central Scouting has him 14th just in North America. Uh, so that's probably about 25th or so later stages of the first round. So he's kind of a a bit of a wild card, I guess, where he's going to go. Uh, I would expect he's probably a second rounder for for me, but there's lots to like about him. I think there's a lot of players who will go taken in the second round this year who will be guys that pan out, and I think Ridley Gregg is uh, one of those types of guys. Another guy that is expected to go somewhere in the second round is Luke Tuck, who played this past season with the program, the U.S. National Development Team, and headed to Boston University. 
Let's get to know Luke Tuck when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, this is Jack Rosovic from the U18 national team. Clayton Keller. Hey, this is J.C. Comfort. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. Hi, I'm Hudson Fashing. Hi, it's Brady Shea. Hey, this is John Gibson from Team USA. This is Jordan Greenway. This is Matias Samuelson. Hey, this is Sonny Milano from the US NTDP. This is Oliver Wallstrom. Hi, this is Alex Tuck. This is Ryan Lindgren. Hi, I'm Steven Santini, and I play for the U18 national team. How's it going? Kate Fitzgerald with the national team. Hey, it's Austin Matthews. Hi, this is Jacob Truba from the USA Under-18 national team development program, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris Wow, what a goal! And Duncan Keith and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Back on The Pipeline Show, we'll have another 2020 draft spotlight. It's a uh, with a player who's headed to the NCAA, so that means it's a campus report segment as well. Those are always brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family that's looking to uh, go the college route, there's some things you need to know on what you can and what you can't do to maintain your eligibility. College Hockey, Inc., a great resource for that. You can get in touch with Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, or you can just go to their website and get a lot of your questions answered that way. Uh, my guest in this segment is uh, Luke Tuck of the U.S. National Development Team headed to Boston University. Luke, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, weird times, though. Uh, obviously, this season and the last three months has been pretty strange days for everybody, but... Uh, Take me back to uh, when the season was shut down, where you and the team were. and Yeah, actually, we had a league game in our USHL league. Um, so we were headed to Omaha to play the Lancers, and uh, we had about a 13-hour bus ride, and we are hear- hearing a couple rumors before that, uh, maybe in the next couple weeks, that the, the league was going to get shut down. And uh, we did an overnighter bus trip, so we are on a sleeper bus, and uh, we drove 13 hours, and we get the news from Coach that um, our U18 World is canceled, and they uh, – they're postponing our league, so um, actually a couple hours later we had a we had to head right back to Plymouth, Michigan. So um, that 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 was just added on to it, of course. Well, 13-hour drive, and then you just turn around and uh, go right back. That's got to be the longest day and a half of your life. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. It was, it was sad for sure. Obviously, the U18 is such a huge thing. The World U18 is such a huge part for the program. I mean, it's it's basically your Stanley Cup. You've been building for a couple of years to go and, and win a gold medal there as, as the program has done so well over the last uh, decade and a half. Uh, not having that opportunity, that's got to be uh, real devastating. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, we worked those two years, and every day we worked towards that gold medal. At the end, and um, there are definitely some short-term goals along the way, like there's a couple of international tournaments. But mm-hmm. um, the U18 World Tournament is – definitely the one to uh, have in our back pocket and uh, the one to win the gold for. So, um, yeah, I would say it was like a Stanley Cup. And obviously hearing that, that news was, was devastating and um, sad for everybody, I'd say. 
Well, and it's a big showcase event too for uh, scouts to to watch. And of course, they've been watching you guys uh, all season long because there's so many players on your team who are not just draft eligible but uh, ranked very high. Uh, you're amongst that group, uh, but not having that opportunity to, to you know play in a, a big showcase event like that is a big loss. But now with the news this week that uh, you are going to be at the uh, World U20 uh, at camp this summer, uh, does that um, make it a little bit better because heck the draft has been pushed back so um, and who knows when that's going to happen uh, looks like you'll be able to uh, have that camp as a bit more of a showcase too yeah for sure I, I don't think I mean I think the U18 Worlds um, I don't think I'm ever really going to get over that but um, I think getting invited to this camp and this tryout is huge for me and um, I can't be more excited and honored so um, there's a couple more weeks to that so I got to keep working I'm really excited well, I know uh, for some countries, I know usually it's uh, with four countries, uh, but uh, Canada, Sweden, and Finland are not coming this year. Uh, and, in fact, I was just talking with a Canadian player. They're doing their summer camp basically uh, online, uh, just uh, video conferencing and stuff. Are you guys planning on being on the ice? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've really talked to many people about that, but um, I would assume we're going to do practices and a couple of scrimmages. So, um, actually, I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure. Um, well, I knew Canada wasn't coming, but I didn't know Sweden and Finland were not. Well, that's the latest that I've read anyway, that uh, it was just going to be uh, the U.S. team all getting together and, and playing that way. Uh, if, in fact, maybe I'm wrong, but if if that is the case, does that suck in some way? Let, you know, you, you kind of lose out on that uh, that experience that everybody else has had over the last number of years? Yeah, I think it's just another thing, thing thrown at us. Um, obviously, this whole pandemic went around, it was terrible, and this mm-hmm. whole quarantine is has not been fun at all. So um, I think it's just some adversity that we need to go through again. And um, I think we'll approach that in a good way. And I think we're just going to make the most of it, obviously. And I mean, yeah, I don't know how many of you guys are on Team 43 and um, probably a couple of scrimmages, small area games, good high-paced practices. So um, you just got to make the most of your moment. How has the, the, the quarantining affected your, your summer thus far? I mean, obviously it would be a, a lot different uh, if it was last year uh, in terms of what you can and what you can't do for uh, for training. So what have you been able to do this year so far? Yeah, so I, I had a, like a little gym in my basement, uh, like a makeshift gym. So, I mean, as much as I can do body weight and dumbbells and, and bands and stuff. And um, I actually have a lake house on the, on the St. Lawrence River, so. On the weekends, we go up there, and it's a little more uh, back to normalcy. So we go up there every weekend. And um, so gyms and um, ice arenas are actually opening. So I've been able to get in there. Um, so it's it's been better, but at first it, it was tough, and uh, it was something that we had to get through. Luke Tuck is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2020 Draft Spotlight segment, joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Um, Luke, what we like to do in this part of the show is introduce my audience to a player who is like you, draft eligible, uh, and there'll be a lot of uh, just casual NHL fans uh, listening to this segment right now, uh, guys, who, uh, people who don't watch the USHL or, or Major Junior and might not even watch college hockey, but they need to know who the players are that their favorite team just drafted or something like that. So for the benefit of those players, let's get a bit of background. Uh, where are you from, Luke? I'm from Baltimore, New York. How old were you when you first started playing hockey? Do you remember? Uh, I think I was able to skate before I was able to um, I think it was 21 months when I put me on skates, but I think playing organized hockey would be probably four. Okay, just having some cell phone uh, issues, cutting in and out there a little bit, but I think I heard you say you're about four years old. Now, I think everybody will recognize uh, Alex Tuck as your older brother. 
pretty big age difference uh, between the two of you. What is it, six, seven years? Six. Six years uh, difference. Now, I, I have an older brother, and I remember when I was a kid, I just wanted to do whatever he was doing. Uh, to some degree, was it like that for you as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, Alex is six years older than me, but um, we're, we're still very close. And obviously, um, he's a great mentor for me and somebody I want to follow in his footsteps. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think everything he did, I always did. And I'd probably get a little bit annoyed, but um, <laughs> he was a great brother to me for sure. He's uh, he's a forward. You're a forward. Uh, did you ever try any other positions? Did you ever go uh, on the blue line or anything like that in your younger days? Heck, did you even throw the pads on? Uh, I think he put me in that on the back door ice, and uh, that didn't go over so well. But um, I think I was always a forward growing up, so yeah, that was my position. Alex made you play in net so he could shoot on you. Is that it? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so a couple times. I think probably once or twice in the back door rink, he shot the pads. I mean, he pr- I think he hurt me a couple times, so yeah, never again. <laughs> yeah, sounds like an older brother. I have one too. Um, <laughs> speaking with uh, Luke Tech uh, from the U.S. National Development Team, uh, he's my guest here in the 2020 draft spotlight. Uh, getting to play for the uh, the national team, I mean, was that something that uh, you had circled on your to do list, sort of, uh, on your way up uh, before you get to college? Was that was this always a dream for you? Yeah, I think seeing my brother go through that and um, him having this success here, um, I've always wanted to do it. And um, when I get the opportunity, I was I was really excited and I was thrilled. And it was definitely one of my dreams and goals. So. Um, I mean, the program is great. I love it here for sure, and I recommend it to anybody who's coming here. For for people who haven't had a chance to watch you play, I mean, they're, they're going to look at Alex and say, well, I bet Luke's a lot like that. Is there some truth to that? Do you have more similarities than differences? I think we have more differences than similarities. Um, yeah, I think Alex and I are the same in the power forward sense, but I think um, our personalities on ice are completely different. Um, I think I have more of that edge to my game and that physicality that I thrive with. So, um, yeah, I'd say I have more of that edge to my game and uh, the, the edge of an attitude. So I think we're different in that sense. Okay. And interestingly, he, he played a couple of years at Boston College. And, of course, instead of following in his footsteps, you go to the arch rival, uh, Boston University. Uh, why was being a Terrier uh, the right fit for you? I don't know. I visited a couple of colleges, and um, I cut my options open for sure. And, I think this is going to be really contemptuous. I in Boston, so um, nothing against BC at all. Um, my brother loved it there. They loved him there. So um, I think BU is just the right fit, and I couldn't be more excited. Sorry, Luke, the, the uh, phone was cutting out a lot through the first part of that answer. Was uh, the choice to go to Boston University an, an easy one for you? I heard you say that you had a number of schools that you visited, but um, did you get a lot of influence from Alex? Or, like, Was he trying to rec- recruit you to BC? I don't, I don't, he didn't really have much input on my decision. Um, BC didn't recruit me too hard. So, I mean, I kept my options open. Um, I visited a couple schools and, um, I think BU was an easy choice for me. I love the city and the campus. Uh, I know the, uh, the Windsor Spitfires, uh, drafted you, uh, out of the Ontario Hockey League, uh, really late. So I think everybody was expecting you're a college guy, uh, anyway. But, uh, with the, uh, the uncertainty for the NCAA season, a lot of people telling me there probably won't be any hockey at least until 2021. Does that come into play at all? Do you consider the OHL an option if college hockey doesn't start? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think I'm really set on BU, and I've talked to my coaching staff there, and they uh, they think uh, hockey's going to open up on time for winter sports. So um, I'm confident in that, and I'm set on BU. 
they're telling you that they think uh, things will get going for October? Yeah. Well, that's the first time I've heard that. Uh, some some optimism. That's good to hear. Uh, what do you provide uh, the Terriers once you get there? What's your, you know, a lot of freshmen will have to break in and kind of find a niche for themselves. But uh, for you, being a highly touted guy, do you go in saying, I want to be on the top two lines right out of the gate? And, and what, what can you bring and offer for them? Yeah, I think going into uh, the, the season, um, you obviously want to make the big impact on, on your team as a freshman. And uh, I think, yeah, fighting for those top lines and um, making an impact any way I can, playing any role I can have the team. So um, I think, again, with that physicality and that edge to my game, um, it'll be a good season for me if I play that every game. Luke, let's go back to the draft for a second. Has it been on your mind uh, all season long, or are you one of the guys who tries not to think about it? Yeah, obviously you see the list. Um, here and there, and me, I did not try to uh, look at the list too much. Um, that doesn't really do much for you. I mean, some sometimes it motivates people, and some people worry about it. So um, I think I just try to focus on every every day and um, every game and every shift. And um, obviously, you want to enjoy the process, but um, I think you just have to control what's in your hands. Uh, that's a good way of looking at it. Now, the draft normally would be next week, but we I think the lottery is going to be next week, but we don't know still when the draft is going to be. At this point, do you kind of just wish it would get here just to have it done with uh, because it's been such a, a long season and just the way it's been dragged out like this? Yeah, I think um, obviously we've, we've been itching for this for a while, and uh, I think next week could be our draft week, so. Um, I think I kind of want it over with, but yeah. I think I've heard some some words that might be in October. So um, maybe we might be playing games, and with this upcoming showcase, maybe uh, there's some scouts, and you could possibly improve your draft stock. So um, I don't know. I think I'm just really excited for next season. Now, being a New York guy, uh, closer to, to Buffalo than to New York City, uh, did, did you have a favorite NHL team growing up, or did that change once Alex was, was drafted and then uh, traded again? Yeah, I was always a, a Sabres fan growing up. Uh, my neighbor was Tim Conley, so ah. uh, his parents still live there. Yep. Uh, interesting. Uh, all right. Well, Luke, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best of luck, and hopefully we uh, get a draft and the regular season uh, starting uh, as close to normal as we possibly can. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. That's uh, Luke Tuck of the U.S. National Development Program and soon to be the Boston University Terriers. Appreciate uh, him making time for the Pipeline Show. Thanks again to Scott Bartlett for uh, setting up that interview for me. Not a player that I got to watch myself this year, so uh, interested to see where he goes in the draft and uh, what the uh, scouting reports from other people uh, are on uh, Luke Tuck. Like that he says there's more differences than similarities between himself and uh, his older brother Alex. Whichever, whatever his answer was going to be, doesn't mean it was a negative either way. But, you know, I, I think most people would naturally expect there to be more similarities. So I found that intriguing. All right, as I mentioned at the start, uh, just the two uh, interviews for this week's episode. So that's going to wrap things up. Uh, lots to talk about next week, though, and uh, hoping that I'll have a full slate of guests to be able to do that. Uh, quick thanks again, everyone who has signed up to be a patron. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Get early access to all the interviews you hear on a uh, full episode of the show. You can usually hear those individual uh, interviews two, three, sometimes four days uh, ahead of uh, the release of a full episode. Two bucks a month is all it costs. You can uh, do that, set it up monthly with your uh, credit card. It gets automatically processed through Patreon and uh, PayPal. I don't see or handle any of your credit card uh, information. Now, so if that is of interest to you, I'd appreciate the, the support. 
Uh, before I say goodbye, I just want to uh, remind everybody there is a global pandemic going on, so uh, please take care of yourselves, of your family, and take care of your neighbors. Treat everybody that you meet with kindness, so whether you're going to the grocery store or just talking with strangers uh, in the streets or whatever you're doing. Uh, everybody is stressed out right now, uh, so let's have a little empathy for our fellow man. Stay vigilant, stay healthy. We'll talk to you next week here on the Pipeline Show. See ya.